Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. Listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Boris Johnson reshuffles his cabinet, presumably to hide the party hats and empty bottles of champagne at the back of it. Jacob Rees Mogg is now the Minister for Brexit Opportunities, a part time role that involves checking the news every week and realising that there still aren't any. The US warns that Russia may invade Ukraine at any given moment, before then invading a slightly smaller country, and then another, even smaller country, and so on and so on, until they all fit snugly inside each other and can go on the mantelpiece in your nan's house. Covid rules around self-isolation may end up to a month early in England if positive trends continue, such as the trend for the Prime Minister desperately needing positive news to distract a furious electorate. And finally, the footballer Kurt Zuma is widely condemned for kicking his cat in an online video. His pets have now been confiscated by the RSPCA and will be rehomed at the house of someone who doesn't play for West Ham, where they will at least get kicked into the back of a net occasionally. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, currently massing my tanks at the border in a perfectly reasonable display of my sovereign right to defend myself, and you're listening to IC News. Self-isolation may be coming to an end a month sooner than expected, but hey, agrophobics, don't you worry. Pretty soon the air will be too full of radioactive isotopes for you to ever leave the house in anything other than a lead-lined suit ever again. If I'm making you nervous, dear listeners, don't worry. Liz Truss will be along to try and tell me off in a minute, so that should be good for a laugh. Out there in the terrifying real world, the doomsday clock may be a few seconds closer to midnight, but here in the studio we're still dutifully reporting the hottest news from across the multiverse. While the country patiently waits for its leaders to do the decent thing and resign in the wake of a raft of humiliating scandals that have destroyed the dignity of their offices, this week Sadiq Khan decided he'd finally had enough of that shit, and the Mayor of London effectively pushed out Cressida Dick, the Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police. Here's Tom King with more. Following contact with the Mayor of London today, it is quite clear that the Mayor no longer has sufficient confidence in my leadership of the Metropolitan Police Service for me to continue as Commissioner. He has left me no choice but to step aside. They said it couldn't be done. She said defiantly that she was going nowhere and it wouldn't happen. Scandal after scandal seemed unable to derail her, but one awkward meeting with Sadiq Khan later, and the day is finally here. Cressida Dick's out for Harambe, and the search is now on for a new commissioner at the London Met. 
The news that the era of Dick is now sagging its way to an untimely end broke awkwardly on Friday, and it's caused no end of friction between the Home Office and the Mayor of London. Through many of the scandals that have rocked the Met under her tenure, Dame Cressida has generally enjoyed the vocal support of the Home Secretary, primarily, one assumes, because nobody recognises and rewards a systemic culture of workplace bullying better than Preeti Patel. But the police watchdog's findings about the behaviour among some officers at Charing Cross Police Station has proven to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Racist, homophobic and disablest WhatsApp messages were merrily thrown around between constables, along with jokes about rape and murder. You know, just the sort of crimes you really want our police force to be taking lightly. What really boiled Sadiq Khan's piss, however, was the revelation that so many of the officers involved barely saw any disciplinary action, and some were even promoted in the wake of the initial investigations into their conduct. Now look, I've seen 24 hours in police custody, so I know that plenty of our country's serving police officers are more than capable of being patient, professional and empathetic people in the presence of a full Channel 4 film crew at least, but the Independent Office for Police Conduct found that the problems at Charing Cross were very much institutional. Now, obviously, Cressida Dick doesn't bear direct and personal responsibility for the disgusting conduct of the officers involved, or even for the general culture at one police station, but the failure to address that conduct speaks to the wider questions about her general stewardship as Met Commissioner. We're very sorry, stops cutting it as an excuse when the public has heard it a thousand times. The recent failures of the Met have produced too many nauseating headlines and left far too many families grieving horrifically in their wake. Regardless of the support she may enjoy from her frontline officers, in terms of public perception, Dick's position has rapidly become untenable which coincidentally is something my wife says a lot whenever I'm refusing to quit and scrabbling desperately for purchase. The confrontation with Sadiq Khan and the resulting rumblings of discontent from the Home Office is confirmation, as if it were needed, that Dick's resignation has come about as a result of political pressure. We're now faced with the somewhat awkward prospect of forcing out a prominent LGBT woman in order to bring in someone else to address systemic misogyny and homophobia at the Met. That feels rather counterintuitive for a start, but what's more, Dick's departure leaves the force rudderless as it embarks on perhaps the most politically awkward investigation it's ever undertaken. The Met has already been plagued with accusations of undue interference in the Downing Street party scandal and the very government it's now investigating is now charged with finding the force's new leader. Now, I'd love to say that, obviously, the government wouldn't dream of interfering unduly with the process at such a politically volatile time. But let's face it, this is Boris Johnson we're talking about, so if we don't end up with Sajid Javid's brother getting the job and the party investigation disappearing quietly under the radar, I'll eat a policeman's hat. And wouldn't that just about sum up the meaningless farce of all this? Reforming an organisation as massive and sweeping as the London Met, one that has deeply toxic culture as firmly entrenched as it clearly does, is a big ask for any one person. For a person hand-picked by a demonstrably corrupt government for its own political purposes, it'll be downright impossible. And that may well be the whole point. 
I'm Tom King, and may the concept of a truly impartial and independent London Met and Harambe rest in peace. Reporting for IC News. As it appears that Britain may soon start emerging out of the final stage of its coronavirus restrictions, all is not quite as well elsewhere in the world, as other countries struggle with a tricky conundrum of persuading enough of their populations to get vaccinated. In Canada, protests over vaccine mandates for cross-border truckers have seen major roads blockaded and a spike in hate-related incidents, which presumably in Canada means not saying sorry quite politely enough at the end of every other sentence. Here in the UK, we may have escaped some of the uglier scenes coming out of Ottawa, but there have been plenty of worryingly aggressive anti-lockdown protests, not least of which was the one that saw Keir Starmer angrily confronted outside Parliament on Monday. It's a recurring and increasing theme at these sorts of protests for those involved to quote common law in their opposition to restrictions, a rather confused legal argument that's also been cited by anti-vax activists serving bogus legal papers to hospital staff. But is there any accuracy to these sort of legal arguments, and why are they proving so popular among lockdown protesters? On the line today to discuss the common law movement among conspiracy theorists, it's our resident lunatic, Danny Sutcliffe. Oh, well, that's fucking charming, isn't it? Once again, I agree to appear on this show in good faith and in defence of my rights as a sovereign citizen, only to be met with sarcasm and disdain. Well, boo to you! You mindless tool of the oppressor! Ah, what the fuck was that? It's the sound of freedom, Sam. Blaring out in sympathy with me good and noble brothers and sisters in Canada. We will not accept this medical apartheid, for we are free men of the earth, ruled only by the law of the sea. Oh yeah, and what about wind and fire? Jesus, I've got earache now. Oh, go fuck yourself, mate. You're always sneering at my legal expertise, but you'll be laughing on the other side of your face when the New World Order herds you through a Covid checkpoint before forcing you to eat your own children at gunpoint. Fucking hell, settle down, Viva Vendetta. Can we at least try and have a borderline sensible discussion for a couple of minutes before you leap straight off into the deep end of honking batshit? What's batshit about liberty, Sam? It's the lifeblood of our sham of a democracy. And when the government mandates to take it away, each of us must stand up and exercise our God-given rights as free men under common law and the Magna Carta. Ugh, well now I'm just confused. Under what authority do you think you have the legal power to defy government mandates exactly? First you said the law of the sea, then your rights were God-given, then it was common law and the Magna Carta. It's almost like you're just plucking vaguely plausible-sounding legalese out of thin air. Well, you would think that, Sam, because you haven't done your research. But I have, and I've also got a big horn. Jesus Christ, would you please give that a rest? Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? You'd like the clarion call of freedom and liberty to fall silent across these lands forever. Well, not I, Sam. I am a free man, not a number. I do not consent. Well, that's another gem from this movement, isn't it? This bizarre insistence that binding laws passed by Parliament somehow require individual consent. It's just bollocks lifted from contract law and utterly inapplicable to any of the restrictions that clueless rubes like you have fallen foul of. Oh please, you're seriously telling me that the British police have demonstrated a thorough understanding of consent recently, are you? 
Alright, fair point, but still not relevant. You're not relevant! Well, that's just childish. You're just childish! Ah! Oh, do you know what? This is actually pretty illustrative of you. You don't have any kind of legal understanding whatsoever. You're just petulant, loud, and fueled by deluded, self-righteous ignorance. Congratulations, Danny. You've just single-handedly encapsulated the common law movement. That's right, Sam. Patronise and ridicule me, even as I stand shoulder to shoulder with my brothers against your oppressors. Will you shut the fuck up? It's 10 a.m. on a Sunday, you bellend! God, is everyone round here a shill for Big Farmer? I'm trying to help you all here! Isn't that just everyone's frustrations with this nonsense in a nutshell, though, Danny? People like you seem to think that you're the first people in the world to realise that a lot of the decision-making in this pandemic has been either political or profit-oriented. We all know that there's a lot of corruption to be answered for, but for fuck's sake, turning up at hospitals and handing nurses bullshit legal papers isn't the public service you think it is. It's a dangerous, selfish waste of everyone's time and energy. You're not a hero. You're just an idiot who fell down a YouTube rabbit hole and heard just enough plausible-sounding bullshit to validate his confirmation bias. Well, of course you try and discredit my sources, Sam. But there are plenty of experts standing up against the status quo. And you should ask yourself, who's doing the discrediting? Answer me that. Oh, that's circular nonsense, Danny. The moment you decree that there's some shadowy they out to discredit your worldview, you grant yourself carte blanche to never believe anything you don't want to ever again. Cherry-picking the outliers on the fringes of the scientific or legal consensus and taking their word as dogma doesn't make you enlightened. It makes you a moron. Well, how's this for enlightened, you prick? If I feel I'm being governed unjustly, I've the right under Chapter 61 of the Magna Carta to enter into lawful dissent. Oh, God, no, you don't. It's right there in black and white, Sam. Fucking hell, no, it isn't. For a start, you're not one of the 25 barons who entered into the 800 pissing year old agreement with King John that you're parroting from, and nor are you sworn into their service. So it wouldn't apply to you anyway, even if it was even vaguely applicable to laws that currently stand, which it isn't because the particular iteration of the Magna Carta that you keep quoting from was repealed by the Pope within a fucking year anyway, and Chapter 61 was never revived. Oh fucking hell, Mark Corrigan, calm down. Can't you just let me play with me big horn in peace? I'm trying to much bargain onto you, fucking prick. Danny, I don't even know what it is you think you're fighting against anymore. This isn't Canada. We barely even have any lockdown restrictions anymore, and the only vaccine mandate the UK ever pursued was the one for NHS staff that's now looking very unlikely to be enforced anyway. Only because of the pressure of the common law movement, Sam! The same common law movement that barged into hospitals, tried to remove Covid patients from the ICU and wasted everyone's time by harassing doctors with fake legal documents, right? Oh yeah, I'm sure the NHS is really grateful for your help. I just... I just wanted to still feel a part of something, Sam. I get it, Danny. I really do. Despite everything you've been insisting for the last two years, restrictions are now gradually disappearing, there's been no seismic shift towards a global authoritarian regime, and a billion vaccinated people haven't suddenly contracted AIDS or dropped dead of heart failure. You feel robbed, mate. Everything you've poured your personality into for the last two years is being taken away. (laughs) I don't like it. Well, 
Can't you just content yourself with railing against a good, old-fashioned, blatantly corrupt government? One that's now clearly wielding the end of restrictions as a tool to preserve the political career of a tin-pot autocrat? No, Sam, that's boring! I wanted demonic child murderers and satanic vaccine cults! I'm sorry, Danny, but they just don't exist. But you know what'll make you feel better. Go on. You know you want to. Really? Are you sure? Yeah, go for it, mate. I'll just put my fingers in my ears. <laughs> yes! That's more like it. and the revolution will live forever. Reporting for IC News. Speaking of living forever, the past weekend saw a British pensioner reach a truly remarkable milestone, not least of which was simply being 95 and alive in the age of Covid. While the proper jubilee celebrations are coming later in the year, Last weekend saw the actual 70-year milestone of the Queen's accession to the throne, which she marked by holding a reception at Sandringham House. This was the first major public event for the Queen since a series of health scares and pulled appearances, and she appeared for just long enough for Charles to turn up and cough on one of her dogs. The Jubilee is a big deal for fans of the royal family, but the Queen's advanced age and failing health are factors that inevitably raise questions about the future of the monarchy. Questions that our royal correspondent Sebastian Forlock has been travelling the multiverse to answer. Britain. Great, glorious Britain. Raise your glasses and bend the knee, for it is time to rejoice and celebrate with our most beloved monarch. Long has she ruled over us, long indeed, for this past week saw her reach the unprecedented milestone of 70 years on the British throne. Our Queen has seen and done so very much. She is our foundation, our keystone, our national identity. She has been the stoic avatar of British voice and grace for seven decades. But even now, traitors and reformers lurk in the shadow. I'm talking, of course, about republicanism. The vile suggestion that our whole system, our whole national identity, should be thrown out with the... the... death of our dear Queen Elizabeth. Not on my watch, Britain! Not while this royalist still bleeds red, white, and blue. For as long as I draw breath, the royal family shall live on. Long to rule over us. For a truly great Britain is a Britain that knows its place. These fanciful, deluded murmurings about the fall of our monarchy are nothing short of 
peasant treachery. Pitchforks at the gates of our literal castles. As our beloved queen appears to ail, only to bounce back to rude and glorious health, the calls to modernize our most revered institution begin to feel as tedious as they are grotesquely opportunistic. The greatness of our royal family lies not in its modernity, but in its commitment to tradition. The monarchy is a symbol of British dignity and greatness, an image etched in stone, a commandment to the people sent from the heavens. It must be as unwavering as it is immutable. What should we have them do, exactly, hmm? Should we see Prince Edward flossing on TikTok? Perhaps Charles should start unboxing loot crates on YouTube. You've already seen just how ghastly and undignified those sort of things get when some of our ungrateful junior royals start podcasting. Honestly, next you'll be telling me that the royals should stop hoarding massive swathes of land and property and travel back in time to halt all their international nonsense. <laughs> How ludicrous would that be? <laughs> On that note, there's a real lack of gratitude among the younger generations for everything the monarchy does for them. And I'm telling you now, I won't stand for it. Of course, our dear Charles has some monumental gilded slippers to fill, should that dreaded day ever come, but to suggest that he is somehow incapable of rising to the challenge is appallingly unpatriotic. What could possibly be more British than pulling one up by one's bootstraps in order to effortlessly inherit the wealth and empire of your forebears? The thought that the Windsor line should instead end with the passing of our queen is to contemplate an unthinkable tragedy that betrays everything we stand for. These mewling ingrates and Charles naysayers need to see for themselves what a desolate and miserable place our islands would be without the stewardship of our heir apparent. Which is why I've come here. This wretched rock is Earth Delta Michael Jackson's vitiligo 13217, and Britain here has a rather different line of ascension. In this reality, our dear Charles is the second-born son, meaning, well, you know what that means. Hear ye, hear ye! Following the passing of Her Majesty the Queen, it is hereby decreed that the western wing of Windsor Castle is to be demolished on the orders of our new king. It will be replaced by a giant bouncy castle, funded by the royal estate and complete with many dark corners for all of London's 13 to 16 year old girls to enjoy. So you see, dear listeners, back at home on Earth Prime, there really is something to be said for the proper line being followed. Charles might be a little cantankerous and controversial, as well as that previously unthinkable sin of being wed to a divorcee, but given the... <clears throat> 
alternatives. Well, you tell me. What would you prefer exactly? Hear ye, hear ye! His Majesty the King has also decreed that on this, the day of his accession, all citizens be entitled to a discount at Dutchy Organics Pizza Express restaurants. Buy one 12-inch stuffed crust and get an alibi free! I suppose you could suggest that we just abolish the whole thing and start again as a republic. But this is Great Britain we're talking about. We don't do change and revolution. I'm afraid it's pomp, privilege, and national subservience for us. Anything else would be far too... (laughs) French of us. Perish the thought. I'm Sebastian Forlock, positively filled to the brim with Jubilee Spirit, reporting for IC News. Hear ye, hear ye! Recent laws outlawing subtext mean I am now free to shout the king is a nonce. The king is a nonce! Oh, bless, that's optimistic of Sebastian, believing that any family in this country has a future. His report brings us to the end of our broadcast. We'll be back the same time next week with the finale of Season 6, but until then, we leave you, as always, with the headlines you may have missed. Keir Starmer distances himself even further from Jeremy Corbyn in a series of interviews, meaning that soon, the only thing they will have in common is a complete inability to ever win a general election. The Prime Minister is sent a questionnaire by the police as part of their investigation into lockdown parties at Downing Street. Boris Johnson has reportedly asked for the questions to be multiple choice, as he was far too drunk to remember what actually happened at any of the gatherings. Amid surging energy prices for consumers, BP rejects calls for a windfall tax on its £19 billion of pandemic profits, as thousands of families facing financial hardship wonder if saying, but we don't want to, will get them out of paying more as well. And finally, the boss of Peloton is to step down, before adjusting the incline to 6%, stepping back up again and really pushing through the pain for six overpriced minutes. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind our bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger me and if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.